We're starting a new series today. I'm going to be your helper and your friend. Those of you that are particularly bad at noticing things, Christmas is coming in just um, a couple of months. You might want to get yourself ready. Some people have a visceral reaction to any mention of Christmas before Thanksgiving. They, they, they hate Christmas music, all eight songs of it, and they, they, they will not tolerate this until after Thanksgiving. And I get that, I do. You're terribly wrong and, and you're a bad person, but I get that. <laughs> Advent sermons, if you have them, normally begin in December. We're going to do something different this year. Because we always talk about Advent, but I want to talk about what changed with Advent. And it's very easy. I mean, you can fill in the blank and say everything, but it's hard to obey and live everything. We need some specifics. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Jesus's parables and how he showed us it's a new world now because our king has come. I've told you before that after every sermon, you should ask, so what? We've heard, we understand, so what? And when you get that question answered, when there is a hook, there's a, there's a line, there's a passage that means something to you, then you ask it again, but put a comma in it. So what? What's going to be my response? How am I going to live because Jesus said this? I don't think Jesus said things just to say them. He had a limited amount of time with us. I believe that he spoke about a new reality and then he calls us into that reality to live a changed life. So we're going to talk about parables. Lord willing, for the next eight sermons, they're already written, so if you want me to do something else, it's, it's I, I won't. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and this one, and I'm glad to be the lead off. You know, Cammie had an extra hour to write it. I think it's pretty good. Um, haven't read all of it yet. I'll be surprised with you. I, I, I remember, Jesus' spoken time with his apostles was about three to four years. I've had people say three and a half. But they're, they're taking phrases in scripture that say about and making them locked in. Three to four years. Now, he knew these guys before. By the way, it wasn't a miracle when he walks by and tells the fishermen, you know, all right, stop that. You're going to follow me now. And they do. It's not a miracle. He lived around there. They knew him. They understood this. He'd already formed a relationship. But the teaching time was short. So any words Jesus gives us should be memorized. They should be applied they're, they're pretty important. So, let's look at the spread of the parables in the Gospels and in the Scripture. And this is going to be kind of a data dump. And I'm kind of sorry and not sorry, but I just want to give you a real quick look at how the parables are distributed and why they're so important to us. When we talk about parables, you're talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The book of John does not contain a parable. Neither are there any quoted in the rest of the New Testament. Peter and Paul and James and Jude and John the Revelator, not a one of them referred to the parables. I find that fascinating. It could be because they were so well known and already so well attested in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but that's all supposition. Parables, however, in those three books, so the synoptic gospels, you may hear that phrase when you, you know, somebody mentions Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Synoptic just means from the same viewpoint. They are looking at the same 
basic set of events. John looked at totally different um, theology and events. And it, they, they work together well. But the synoptic gospels, those first three books of our New Testament, they're very different, more than you might suppose. There are 11 parables that are only in Matthew. There are two parables that are only in Mark. There are 18 parables that are only in Luke. And there are four parables that are in Matthew and Luke. There is a test later. So you should find a paper and a pencil in the back of your pew. There are six parables that are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew records 22 parables, more than Luke and Mark put together. Both of them just put 10. There are a lot. In fact, Matthew does blocks of parables that are very impressive blocks of parables. Real quick word. Sometimes, because we're going to look at a couple of different versions of one very short parable today. And some people will look at it in Matthew and they'll go, oh, but it's phrased this way in Mark. That Now, which, which account is correct? Little secret I need to let you in on. When a minister comes up with a good story, they tell it again. Lots. And so it's not at all um, unusual to have three different people hear it at three different times and places in history. So the core of it's there, but some of the verbiage is a, is a bit changed. That's, they're not contradictions, they're versions of the story. You know, my, and not like my father's versions of stories, which continually changed. Uh, you know, I'd, uh, he would walk in, there'd be holes in his t-shirt, we'd say, there are holes in a t-shirt. And he goes, well, that's where the Koreans shot me during the war. No, they didn't. Uh, but it kept changing, uh, and, and we learned all sorts of things that never happened, but they were in more interesting than the reality, so we stuck with it. Jesus tells a story, but then he'll phrase it different in different groups. Why did Matthew record so many more parables? We actually think we got a good idea of why. To the Jews, story is how you communicate truth. You, you know, to the Greeks, we'll just skip over here, to the Greeks, and we're, we're the offspring of Greek culture, um, they like argument, logic, reasoning, set up your premise, do your, you know, do the whole syllogism thing. Jewish people like a story. They like that more of an aha moment where it, it opens up inside with them, and it, 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 it helps them understand what the real truth is, and Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels. It is, Jesus is king of the Jews. He is the Messiah the Jews were promised. He is the one that we should turn to now. And so, Matthew's going to hit you with the stories. Whereas Luke, much more Greek. Mark, a little more Greek. And by the way, in our society, if you're not aware of this, you need to be because we can be manipulated. Our, we're swinging back away from facts to story. And so, instead of saying, this is our political reality and doing, doing number crunching, people on the right, left, and the middle will say, well, I met this young mother, or I met this old couple, you know, and, and then they will weave a story about how they're in peril if you don't elect them. All sides do it. And they do the story because people don't like facts and figures anymore. When was the last time you ever saw anybody on Facebook or Twitter put up facts and figures and the other people went, you know, they got a point. I am now convinced my life shall be changed from this point forward. It doesn't happen. 
because people will say, well, I know a story. It's, I could go on, and, but I don't want to. So we're going to start with a short parable today. And you might not have even known it was a parable. When you were a kid, do you remember they, they, if you were church people growing up, they may have said a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Have you heard that one a lot? That's not a bad, trend, that, that, that's not a bad definition. But it doesn't even have to be a story. It can be an illustration. So we start with Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It occurs in Matthew and Mark, and there's a slightly different version in Luke. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Okay, we, we've all heard this. I think most of us are church people. And by the way, if you're not a church person, wow, are you brave. And we are so proud of you for coming in. Because it's got to be uncomfortable not knowing what's going on. But I hope that you've been shown love and we're glad you're here. Welcome home. That said, we need to deal with a fact that Jesus had to deal with. The Jews were God's chosen people. Now, he didn't unchoose them. He didn't later say, you know something, done with them, let's go Gentiles. No, he brought the Gentiles in. But he didn't decide all of a sudden he didn't like them. But all the time that the Gentiles, I'm sorry, that the Jews were his chosen people, they shepherded the story to us. They kept the story alive. They wrote it down. They talked to each other. They got their story right. They wrote the songbook, which we call the Psalms. They got all of this and they brought it to us, but they didn't know that's what they were doing. They thought they were just keeping their identity. Jews were not evangelistic. They were never told in the Pentateuch to go make Jews of the nations or to go up against the Gentiles, show them the truth, and welcome them in. Never. They, because that wasn't their job. Their job was to keep the story alive until the right time when God was ready to move. And so they did. We have the Bible. We have the story. And it's tremendous. And it's wonderful. And we should be thankful. Sometimes I look at it as the knowledge. And I need to explain the knowledge uh, to an American audience one of the most complicated cities in the world when it comes to roads is London. Now, I can say that because I've not been to most cities. So, I'm just going to say it now. London is a mess. The name of the street will change five and six times as you're driving around and nothing is straight. Nothing is straight. To be a taxi driver in London, a, a legal taxi driver in London, you have to memorize all the roads. And they have, it, it's equivalent of a four-year university degree, the amount of study you have to put in on it. And they test you. You will be randomly asked, you said, the person's going from whopping you know, this, this address to that address, but there are road works on this road, go. And you have to be able, in your head, to go and get them there. And then they'll do it again. And it's a long, long process, even the testing, the grilling, the knowledge. 
most Jewish people didn't own a copy of the scriptures, but they had them here. They kept the knowledge here. And that allowed us to have the scripture. But again, it was just for them. And it really was just for them. Now, there were, there were some Gentiles who became Jews, and they were welcome. Well, the most famous one would be Caleb in the Old Testament. Turned out to be a faithful, leader, courageous man. But you don't see a lot of those. Now, Advent's come, and this changes everything. Advent changes everything. The followers of Jesus now were not just to hold the story, shepherd the story, and keep the, sh the story. No, they're to spread it. This is all different, and it's easy for us to miss it because we're not in one culture moving to another culture. We don't see the shift. I want you to see the shift. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. And now the story is to be put out there where everybody can see it. Everybody can understand that something has changed. This, uh, we're to be establishing communities of faith that cannot be ignored. Now think about that. I, I don't know that I'm, I want to push our brand name or something like this, but what I want to do is love people so much that you, they can't ignore you. And they know something is very different about this community. Now, I'm not one of those that will say, well, my church is better than all the other churches uh, when it comes to theology and the like. What I'm asking for is for our congregation to be better than other congregations, not because we want to win the better contest, but because Jesus has come, we are to be marked by love, grace, kindness, purity, holiness, as one of our shepherds spoke to us today. We're, we're to have changed lives to the point where people can't ignore us. Now, in real quick, scientific terms, I'm, I won't, your eyes will not bleed, hang in. There are some, some uh, substances um, in the world that are called positive. Um, they are pos positive forces. Positive doesn't mean uh, beneficial. It just means you have to factor in their absence or presence in any experiment you're doing. Light and salt are two of those things. You either want light or you don't. You either, and, and by the, the light, you can even crank that light up and get extra light or you can back it off. You have to factor for it. And salt changes everything when added into a chemical uh, or, or really even into physics. Salt changes everything. We are supposed to be people who change things merely by being there. I can remember once somebody uh, years ago, in fact, this is back in Ohio, and, and our friends from there, uh, my, the, the Lutz family, we knew them in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, before we returned to Scotland. That was a Navy town there, and he was a um, big guy in the Navy. Uh, I think that was the rank, big guy. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm unclear on, 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 on the terminology. Uh, but then when we came back, uh, we went to Ohio and ended up at their hometown. So it, it, they surprised us today. So it's really good to see you. And I hope I didn't preach this sermon earlier there. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, but it's, 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 good to have, it's good to have friends. One of the things that I can look back in my life is see people who were lights, who didn't have to be friendly, but they were. Didn't have to be giving, but they were. They didn't have to reach out, but they did. 
that's amazing, isn't it? When my father passed away, the funerals at his church way down there where, well, where he was when he died, um, two hours, two and a half hours away, the most annoying drive ever. Uh, it really is, because I've, I've actually counted, and it's, I think it was 15 or 16 speed limit changes in two hours. It's like, we're going to give you a ticket, just, you know, buy, buy the bulk plan. And it was, it was shocking uh, and wonderful and humbling when I stood up and saw so many of our members had made that ride for a person they'd never met. And that just, um, I know they made it for me, but you know what I mean, right? That was just, that was a surprise. They were lights. That doesn't make sense. Unless you are dedicated to being a loving community that's not like anybody else. All right? Again, we're not trying to be better than them. We're just trying to love more than the world does. We want them to come inside. Literally, yes, we'd love them to be in our building, but we want them to come inside the story. We want them to be a light as well. The first advent, think of that. The first advent, the collision of God into our universe. He makes the universe, but then Genesis chapter 1 what happens? There's chaos, there's disorder, and then light. What does Jesus say in his first sermon? Be light. Your job now is to enter the chaos and bring the light. Your job is to bring love to the point where people are drawn to you. The, the first advent to me is one of those I have a hard time getting past. I I try to read, oh, I'm going to read Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 today, but often I'll get stuck Genesis 1, 2 and just sit back and think, the Holy Spirit descending upon the earth, the chaos over the waters, and then light, and suddenly everything changes because it's a positive force. Salt is a positive force. All of this is, and Jesus is now saying, we don't keep the faith. We spread it. We don't spread it by preaching on soapboxes. We spread it by the way we live our lives. Um, we, we see this, by the way, in John chapter 1 very famously. We also see it in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Radiance meaning the shining forth of God's glory. He is the way God's glory looks. He brings light when he shows up. His advent was the same as in Genesis 1. He came and brought light. We, as Christians, are not to shirk from our duties. We have a job to do. And it doesn't matter what our situation is. Let me just put that aside. Of course, it matters to you, and God cares. And, but regardless of our situation, that's a better way to phrase it. Regardless of our situation, we are to be the people of light, not darkness. We are the people who preserve. We are the people who bring life with us. The Celtic people uh, of Ireland were converted in one generation. Um, and of course, it's the famous stories of St. Patrick, some of which are even true. And the conversion, I, I agree, we would question some of it because the king would just say, all right, everybody's a Christian now. And they're going, all right, fair enough. You know, it's, um, I, I get that. But the Celtic church thrived even in the dark ages when the Roman church was shrinking and losing membership the celtic church grew 
And whenever you read, uh, and you can read this in Latin or in the Gaelic, and now there are translations into the English, that they, they, they refer to these people who came with Jesus. And they talk about cross-bearers. Those were the ones that were willing to die for this community. And they were wondering, why? And then there were the wisdom bringers. There were the friendship weavers. But there were also the fourth classification, the light bringers. They brought wisdom. They would teach people how to be clean in childbirth. And they would teach people how to build um, better sources of water. They would teach them about Jesus as they worked among them, showing them love. And that was the difference. It was a massive difference. Mark has a different version of this. Let's have a look at the Mark version. Uh, he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Now, we look at that and go, well, that's a fire hazard. That would be. But their, their whole point here is oil was precious. So you just didn't burn it and not use it. Instead, don't you put it on a stand. For, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, think about this. Figure it out. Careful, uh, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And there is a different, slightly different version in Luke chapter 8. God's light is supposed to have an effect. Have you ever been in a place where you turn on the light and the bugs scatter? Some of you um, going to Honduras... Yep. Uh, yes. And I've, you know, the thing is, they're supposed to scatter. Light hit. It changed the equation. Where there is light, it's supposed to. I, mean, I can remember back in Ohio, uh, they, were, they insisted that I learn golf because I'm a Scotsman who didn't play, and they found that that was blasphemous at some level. And, and uh, it, was, um, it was a very trusting thing to hand a minister a club and then um, let him join the group. But we, we got through it. But I can remember one person came up to me and they said, you, is a member of your church? And I said, yes. And they said, well, let me tell you a couple things about him. And I just put up my hand. I went, no, no. You, you don't get to talk about him. You, you can talk about you, but you can't confess somebody else's sins to me. And they said, but you don't understand, whenever you're around, he, he really behaves, and, and this, that, and that. And I looked at him, I said, and he's supposed to. When I walk in the room, you'd better buck up. It's my job. I work for Jesus, and if you forget it, I'll bring it up four or five times. Because that's, that's and, and it, there's a phrase, I used to know it in the Dutch, but I don't anymore. There's a, fra a phrase they use to describe an awkward silence. And literally, it says, and a minister walked by. We're supposed to be a change. We're supposed to change the dynamic because we walked in. Jesus came to bring light into the world, and we who carry that light need to remember you either want light or you don't. You either want salt or you don't. There will be people who will welcome us, and there will be people who will go after us. But they can't be neutral. They can't just shrug. They're going to go one way or the other. Light has been a battle in my life. Um, I read a lot. My mother-in-law, God bless her, great woman, is convinced 
that I read too much and that I'm going to go blind because I don't have sufficient light. I have sufficient light. And I'll be there reading and she'll go, don't you want that lamp on? And I'll be going, no. No, really, it's just right there. Yeah, good. But would you, and I'm, before I say no the third time, <laughs> and a 5,000 watt Klieg light. My retinas are seared from that point on. I've seen Jesus. Uh, it's, I've gone through the tunnel a couple of times. There are times I don't want as much light as I get. Sometimes when I read scripture, that happens to me. And I have to pull back and say, well, Patrick, that's got to change. There's something about that that needs to be changed. When I read scripture, by the way, I don't see your sins in it. But man, does it show me mine. And that's why, Cammie and I had this discussion a couple days ago. I, I think the only reason Paul could say he was chief of sinners was I hadn't shown up at that stage. And that's why it took Jesus dying to save me. We need the community of faith and call others into it. In Mark 4, 22, if we could put that up. Uh, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Some people look upon that as a threat. I don't see that as a threat. Very, very briefly, when my wife and I were first married, we moved over into eastern North Carolina to help a, an, an African-American church turn an, a disused pet shop into a church building. And that was the first six months of our marriage. Um, it, it was It was interesting. Now, kids, I'm so glad the teens aren't here because the explanations go forever. Back in the day, we didn't have phones in our pockets. They were attached to the wall, tethered by a wrinkly cord. And you only had one per house, party lines and such, it won't go there. But my wife, being a sweet, wonderful young woman who wanted to make the house you know, pretty, kept moving stuff. Well, I'd get calls when it was dark, and I'd find where she put stuff, trying to get to the phone. I ran into stuff constantly. I was doing myself injury, and I decided, I, but I didn't want to look at her and say, stop doing that because she's really cute, and you have to pick your battles, right? So, I, I, I figured out a very, very subtle plan. It was very subtle. Um, we lived where you had to walk by the bathroom to get you know, where she needed to go. So I just go into the bathroom and knelt down in front of the toilet. Uh, and like this. And, and, you know, door open. And you go, Patrick, what are you doing? I said, just thanking God this thing's nailed down. You see, that... That, <laughs> I, 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 that was subtle, but I, I think it got the point. Light is there to show you the obstacles. When you read scripture, you're going to see your obstacles that you've got to get over. You've got to change. That, this out of your, the put on, take off in, the, in scripture, that theme is all over Paul's writings. I got to stop that. I got to start this. And again, don't read the Bible to go after other people's stuff. Go for your own. Let the light shine in you. And Mark 4, we really need just to hit this and, and kind of wrap up. But Mark 4, 24, 25, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. There are people that leap on this and do a prosperity gospel. Hey, give God $100, he'll give you back $500, that sort of thing. 
No, it's tied to what you're listening to and what you're seeing and the light that is in you. Um, I don't hunt. Uh, I'm not opposed to hunting. It was just never part of my culture. You know, in Scotland, only the rich English people get to hunt. You know, Scots people, our job was to hold the deer. Uh, and, you know, go on, shoot, Nigel. You know, and then, um, and that's how we lost Hamish. But the point is, I, I don't hunt. And whenever I would, I drive in a car past wooded areas with hunters in the car, they see everything. They're going, oh, look at the deer. Oh, there are turkeys over there. Oh, did you see the fox? I've seen nothing. <laughs> nothing. Why? I don't know how to look for it. I didn't train to see it. It's not that part, it's not a part of my life. By the way, if some of you are going, oh, you'd enjoy it, let me take you out in the woods. No, we have stores now. <laughs> and they pre-kill it. So, so many other lines, but I'm running out of time, aren't I, Mark? So let's just move on. Mark's back there doing this. He's uh, crying. He's weeping openly. This is not a prosperity gospel. It's saying, train your ears to hear what God needs from you. Train your eyes, because if you don't, you won't see it. You're going to walk right on by. Anybody else get tunnel vision? I do. Especially if I'm driving. People say, well, I waved at you. You didn't wave back. You know why? I was driving. I wasn't. There are people to wave to somewhere. And besides, you wouldn't see me. You're on your phone. I, I, I need very often in my life. I find in an airport, I'll just go, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking. And I have to stop myself and say, wait a minute. Train yourself to see. Train yourself to hear what's going on around you. Who needs light? Who needs a show of kindness and love? I have to do it, you have to do it. Share what you have, he's saying. Your time, who you are as a person, your faith, your, your, your story. And that love does come back. It's not a monetary thing, it's a love thing. Would you bring your group back up, please? I appreciate all of you. Keep in, keep in prayer our 60-ish youth out there in the cold. I have no idea where they go. Um, they, there are people who say, oh, don't you supervise that? Nope. If I knew how to do the job, I wouldn't have hired them. So they do that. We are the people of the story, but the advent changed. We do not keep the story to pass on to the next generation. That's part of it. But our bigger job is to pass it on everywhere. They may love you. They may hate you. But they cannot ignore you. Advent changed everything. Let's stand.